Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Good morning and welcome to Artists of New England. I'm Laura Cassinari-King, your host, and today I'm delighted to have with me Dennis Perrin from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Welcome. Nice to be here. Yeah. Um, Just came to your lovely opening of your new gallery here in town, which is really fantastic, beautiful spot. Thank you. How are you liking Portsmouth? Oh, we love Portsmouth. (laughs) My wife and I have long wanted to live in Portsmouth. We've always lived around it, Kittery, York, but we've never actually lived in town. This is our first chance, and we love it so much. That's wonderful. Love to hear that. So... Welcome to the show. So exciting to have you. And you. Um, we're going to find out a little bit about your, your artistic journey. Sure. And so, and also how you became a New Englander. So if you want to mm-hmm. put those two together. Okay, well, <laughs> where do you want to start? <laughs> well, how about how did you become a New Englander? Or is, or is that part of your artistic? Mm, well, not, not directly, but no. uh, it involved a U-Haul, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yes. So my wife and I and family at the time we had two children um we were uh, exploring some areas of the country that we wanted to live in and one of them was new england this was back in the 80s and um, we made a decision at some point along the way that's a long story that we won't get into but (laughs) we decided to move to new england and through some friends and contacts we had we targeted portsmouth new hampshire But we didn't end up in Portsmouth. We, we, by that time, had a third child, and so we packed everything up and moved to a place we had never been. Um, we'd been around here. Sure. We'd been as far as Boston and places in Connecticut and Massachusetts, friends that we knew there, but we had never come this far in New England. And we literally packed up the U-Haul, uh, our VW Vanagon, and we drove to Kittery, Maine, rented a house through the newspaper. <laughs> so you saw the house when you got there with all of your stuff. We saw the house when we got there. It was completely not suitable for a young a couple with a young family. Uh, the front door was right on the road of a busy street. And so we quickly scrambled and ended up in another place that happened to be managed by the grandson of one of my idols, Edmund Tarbell. Oh my goodness. This was Edmund Tarbell uh, II. He was the grandson of the famous painter who lived in Newcastle. Sure. And um, that was pure, quote, coincidence. And we stayed there for several years, and then we moved to another house in Kittery. Then we ended up in York for 10 years. And now we're in Portsmouth, our original target. Lovely. That's 27 years. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when did your artistic journey begin? Cause I... uh, 10 years before that, okay. around 1980, 81, I had been exploring the idea of using creativity to become, to make a living okay. because I was in some jobs that 
you know, like a lot of us when we're young, we take jobs that we don't yeah. love, mm -hmm. uh, hoping that someday we'll find something that we do love. And But the art thing came out of nowhere. I really had no background. <laughs> I had no background in, in art. I, I was a sort of a self-taught musician and a writer. And uh, somehow the art thing just sort of wafted right into my experience and I ran with it. Okay. I started studying at the New Orleans Academy of Fine Art. There was a teacher there that people had suggested I go see and his name was M. Dell Weller. He's now the late M. Dell Weller. A couple of years ago, he uh, made his transition into the next mm -hmm. dimension, but um, he was a wonderful mentor for me. And he's one that sort of put my feet on the path to where I am today. Wonderful. Um, so when you went yeah. to him uh, from other people's suggestions, is that because maybe they saw your style was? I think that the people that suggested to me to go to him understood that he was the kind of teacher I was probably looking for. Okay. Uh, at the New Orleans Academy of Fine Art, there was the founder was. His name was Ozeklis Ozols, and he was a Latvian schooled in the old mm -hmm. European academic tradition. Okay. And I don't think I was really angling for the academy more than I was for, you know, a teacher that would encourage my own artistic expression I and see. development. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's why I think they were suggesting him, and it turned out to be a really good fit. Good fit, yeah. So. That's wonderful. Yeah. Great. So, what'd you do with it? <laughs> well, I can see you've done great, but lead you. us along. <laughs> okay, so not long after I began to study, um, I started developing uh, aspirations to become a full-time artist. Mm -hmm. And my wife, who herself had gone to art school mm -hmm. uh, as an undergraduate, but had set it aside, like many artists uh, set aside, and she started working and, you know, we started growing our family. Um, she was encouraging me. In fact, she would have a lot of suggestions for me when I first started painting and drawing. Um, and since she had a good eye and, and training, she, she had a lot of really good suggestions. Nice. And um, my development went along pretty rapidly. And before long, some, some galleries took notice Wow. and began to invite me to show in their gallery and that sort of kicked it all off and once I started showing at galleries it was just a matter of time before I was able to set aside other work which at the time was more like the carpentry type stuff mm -hmm. that I had picked up over the years and um, I started painting full-time this was in 1985 wow. and Amy was pregnant with our second child yeah. Camille, who is now my business partner in my online teaching business. Mm. Um, and I just just leaped head first, feet first, however you want to say it, into yeah. the whole thing. And admittedly, it was a bit of a struggle for a couple of years, and it just gradually picked up steam. And then at the end of the 80s is when we started exploring the idea of living outside of the South. Amy and I both as much as there were things that we loved about it, there were things that we just didn't feel like we fit with. Mm. And so that's when we started looking at alternatives and we ended up in New England. 
So were you both born down? Is it Louisiana, you said? I was actually born in Topeka, Kansas. My okay. mother was from Topeka. Yeah. But I lived most of my life in Louisiana. Yeah. And Amy's family was from Tennessee, but her father was a executive in a big company, and they moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And they ended up in New Orleans when she was young, a lot like I did. Mm -hmm. And she grew up there mostly in her formative years. And then we went to college together. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and that's where we met. Nice. Very nice. So that was... Primarily the only training, not the only, I don't say that lightly, but right. of course you, that well, was, was the training. That was actually formative. my only formal training. Formal training, okay. was just a couple of years with Dell. And okay. then I started painting on my own and I started really uh, fixating on the kind of painting that I was in love with, which mm. was, I guess people would generally categorize as the Boston School. Mm -hmm. People that were uh, like Edmund Tarbell and Frank Benson and Joseph DeCamp and just a whole host of others who were centered in and around the New England area, but had mostly trained in Europe okay. in the late 19th and early 20th century. And their careers, the arc of their careers spanned from that late 19th century into, say, the middle of the 20th century. Okay. And then one of the the stars of that era, of course, was John Singer Sargent, and mm. that's who I eventually settled on as my, quote, mentor, as far as that's concerned. So Okay, well, that answers our next question. That was beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so how has your style changed? Do you know? Like, uh, of course you know, but as you started in this college and to where you are today, mm -hmm. how how much has your ch style changed? Well, um I get this question a lot, and and a lot of times, uh, subject is sort of leads uh, the way. So okay. what you're attracted to, yeah. the, the subjects that you're attracted to tend to dictate how you approach your painting. Mm. And in the beginning, uh, like many artists, I was much more controlling of the I wanted to be more crisp and realistic. I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that I got things right. Okay. But as I've matured as an artist, I've, I've gotten much more interested in what I've coined the term suggestive realism. Mm -hmm. So my paintings are realistic in that they represent an image that it, usually that I'm looking at because I paint primarily in front of the subject. Mm -hmm. But the rendering of the painting is done in a way that it's suggested, not explicit. Okay. So there's plenty of room for the viewer to sort of get in there and become a co-creator. Mm. So that when you look at a painting that I've done and people that I really admire and respect, you will see uh, up close, you're going to see sort of a mishmash of uh, brush strokes that appear to be somewhat random. But then when you back up mm -hmm. to a certain distance, that all coalesces into an image yeah. and that image typically has a lot of uh, impact or pop to it. Yeah. It, it you know because you are participating in the evolution of the painting through your eyes and the resolution of the image it tends to leap towards you in a way that the crisp finished paintings might not do sure yeah, I love that. Can you talk about your process and um, how you start paintings and how you find your subject sure. matter? Sure, sure. And this is um, this is the, the heart and soul of my teaching. 
Yeah. So what I do is first, before I ever touch any kind of brush or material or paint or palette or even in the studio, I begin the process of thinking about what it is I'm going to paint. Okay. And I start um, playing around with that in my mind and maybe even imagine it and imagine what that's going to look like and most importantly, what it's going to feel like. So you pretty because much design. You don't go see a, see a particular, like a lot of people see a beautiful landscape. Oh, they're going to paint that. No, you, right. you're forming this in your mind. I'm forming it ahead of time. Ah. And that's something else I teach is that a, a good portion of the work is done before you ever get to the canvas. Yeah. Because what's happening is you're forming, it, it's it's almost like this, here's an analogy, like you want to go somewhere, you want to go visit somebody, mm -hmm. right? And you already know, uh, and you have an idea of where they live and uh, what their place looks like, it, especially if, let's say, there's somebody you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. So you know where the, it is and how you're going to get there. So you just create this destination and intention. Like I, I'm going to go visit Aunt Sally, sure. right? And I have this intention to do so. And I know what it's gonna look like when I get there and feel like, and I know how I'm gonna get there. <laughs> but you don't like dwell on that. You just let the process unfold. Yeah. So, because you've done this before, right? Yeah. So you know that if I just follow the directions, I'll get there. And so as you drive, you're free to enjoy the drive right. and relax into the process of driving there. Sure. And then when you arrive, you arrive and it feels logical to you. Yeah, yeah. Right? But that must take years of, um, well, you know, a new driver is, yes. is a lot more conscious and aware. Absolutely, and, and <laughs> absolutely. So but that, that said, because you're right, they're, they're Anytime we're unfamiliar with a process or something, it takes a while. You being a musician, you know what that feels like. Yeah. You have to get a certain amount of comfort with your process and your technique yeah. in order to, to become expressive. Right. Right. It'd be the difference of driving in the city. I was just driving in Boston, and it's terrible. <laughs> and you're uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And, but and, if you practice it and get familiar with right. it, it becomes very comfortable. Yeah. And that's the way everything yeah. So painting is the same way. Right. But I like to, to say, let's stop and back up and see where a painting actually starts. And it starts with what you want to do, what your intentions yeah. are, why you want to paint the painting. Okay. And what you want to say. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now once that's sort of in place, then you begin to let all of that dictate all the other steps. So it's going to dictate your subject and mm -hmm. where you're going to find your subject. Mm -hmm and how you're going to arrange that subject if there's any arranging to be done. Mm -hmm. If it's a landscape, then you might have an idea of where that landscape exists and you'll drive there or walk mm -hmm. there or however you get there and you'll begin to survey the landscape and try to match up what you're looking at with what your intention is mm -hmm. so that there's a match here and so you're not working at odds. Okay. You're also not just bumbling your way towards a, the, a painting. You're very intentional, intentional yeah. and deliberate about mm. the process, right? So then once I've got all those pieces in place, this is before I've ever touched a brush or anything. Right. I've got my canvas set up. I've got my subject set up or chosen or what have you. And then I take my brush 
well, actually before I even pick up a brush, I start to get a picture in my mind of what that painting will look like once it's finished. And more importantly, what will it feel like? Okay. Because the feeling is the most important part of a painting. And, yeah. and so if you have a feeling in mind and you achieve that feeling, then you have a successful project that's completed. Um, so that's in place, right? So now I've got those pieces in place. Let's call those the vibrational pieces. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to start taking action. So I pick up a brush and I hold the brush in my hand as if I were going to paint with it, but I don't put any paint on it. Oh. And I just take the brush and I begin hmm. to compose the painting okay. using my arm and my hand and my brush and my eye to compose the painting on the, on the canvas. So what I'm doing is taking all this vibrational work yeah. and starting to let it, you know, Release. emerge into the physical world sure. and it becomes physical at this point. But I still haven't actually made any marks on the canvas. Okay. Once I feel comfortable with how I've, you know, uh, imagined the painting to be, yeah. then I will begin to take a little bit of paint mixed with a little bit of medium, so it's a thin paint, mm. and I'll start making marks on the canvas and um, deciding exactly how this painting is going to coalesce. Okay. And so I, I call that uh, two things. I call it the drawing phase, which most people would consider you know, appropriate. I also call it the value map, because okay. to me, I'm creating a map as to how I'm going to place my major pieces on, on this uh, canvas, kind right. of like a puzzle, right? And so I'll take that paint and develop that uh, drawing mm -hmm. just using this I usually use cadmium red dark I like red I wow. like the way that looks <laughs> and also I like if any of it shows through which you can kind of see in some of my paintings you'll mm. see little places where red shows through where it's not completely covered wow. can you see some of that right yeah, there I do. like like right here and right there yeah we are and recording at his gallery which yes. is beautiful you've got to come see but yeah i do all right yeah. and um and so once i yeah. i feel like that's all in place then i pick out my biggest brush and i begin to paint in uh very simply three to five very simple shapes okay. that match up with value relationships that i feel that this painting occupies so I'll go from a dark area and then I'll go to like the next dark. So it's a dark middle tone. Then I'll go to say a lighter middle tone and then maybe I'll tip over into the lights mm -hmm. and I might have one or two piles of paint on my palette uh, that represent those light areas. And so then I have these distinct piles of okay. paint yeah. on my palette that correspond mm -hmm. to my painting. So every time I do anything on the painting, I have a pile on my palette that corresponds to it. Okay. So if I look into the darks and I say, well, that needs to be a little lighter right there and maybe a little bluer or something, mm -hmm. I go to that pile that represents the darks and I manipulate it mm -hmm. subtly mm -hmm. to match what I'm seeing. Yeah. And so that, that phase um, is the later stages of the painting, but it occupies the most time as far as the time spent on the painting, and I call that refinement. Right. So I have the imaginative phase, yeah. and then I have the um, drawing or value map phase, 
and then I have the block in where I put those four or five or three to five simple shapes down and then I have the refinement stage and refinement takes you all the way to conclusion and when I feel that the painting matches my intention so that's your as close as I can get on okay. that given day yeah that's when I call it finished I see so do you you, you do them in one sitting you do it depends, depends. Um, okay smaller painting uh, up to maybe 12 by 16 or maybe even if I really want to stretch it 16 by 20 mm -hmm. I'll do it in one session but um, if I get bigger than that I'll tend to go two or three sessions and and if if it's a really big painting like that one I'll go maybe four or five sessions but uh, I have a freezer in my ah. studio where I can put my palette and my oh, painting nice. in the freezer and that effectively puts everything on pause yeah. overnight That's great. and I can just pick it up the next day because I really like the a la prima approach right the wet and wet approach so that's that's what I do that's nice yeah I like that and then you have your same color matches yeah <laughs> and the palette's the same too everything's on pause right the only thing I clean up overnight is my brushes I clean my brushes up mm. So I love, um, I was reading on your website and one of your quotes is that after four decades, your most important lesson is it has to be fun. And I, oh, I can, yeah. it's, I can see for you, it's just a blast, you know? It, it I, mean, is. It's, it's, I, I really don't do anything these days that I don't consider fun and it doesn't have to be amusement park kind of fun. Yeah. It, fun can be, it has fun. a wide range of mm -hmm. emotions, yeah, but sure. um, it, I have to be in enjoying what I'm doing in order to really bring all of me to the table. Right. Yeah. So what do you want your viewers, what do you basically want them to feel? Something different with each painting? Or? Yeah. Oh yeah. Every yeah. painting I, I feel has a mm. different mood. Mm. Um, and that's determined well before I start to paint. Yeah. What am I looking for here? Why, why am I even doing why this? Why am I starting? <laughs> yeah. Why am I going to do this painting? Right. Because the world doesn't need another painting, I mean, <laughs> but it certainly uh, the world could use painters who really enjoy what they're doing and have something to say. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I'm just bringing myself to the painting. That's what I'm doing. Nice. Um, so what have what have you got in the plans for the future? I know you do a lot of travel, and I do want to get to your online school, but we'll do that in a bit. What have you got upcoming for? Or, um, so, um, shows or travel or... okay. So the next, well, we are launching a new course next weekend, next oh. week. And we can talk about that okay. in a minute. And that's an online course. Okay. We just finished over the weekend. We had a big sale because we had reached 60,000 followers on yeah. our Instagram. You know, when I saw that Monday morning, oh. <laughs> oh, well. I was like, what a great idea. Yeah. That was yeah. Perfect. Well, anyway, it was a, it was amazing. It was successful. Very Good. Successful. Wow. Um, and so we now have um, nearly 800 students in 30 countries wow. around the world who nice. have taken courses from us. So right. it's really exciting and it's, it's really fun. Love it. Yeah. Um, so when you travel, yeah. is that part of? Okay. So traveling, they, they complement one another nicely. Almost every time I do a live workshop anywhere these days, somebody, and usually more than one person who's in the workshop, has taken an online oh, course as well. Okay. And then people that haven't end up taking right. online courses as a result of the live workshop. Okay. So they do complement one another, but they, they weren't 
born from the same seed, so to speak. I, I mean, they seem to have grown independently of one another. Mm -hmm. um, this next trip that we're going on, we start in Wilmington, North Carolina mm -hmm. on September 26th. We do three-day workshop there. Then we go to Houston, Texas, and we do three, uh, two three-day workshops back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. I believe, hopefully, we have one day between, but <laughs> I'm not even sure about that. Then we go to Scottsdale, Arizona for the Scottsdale Artist School, oh. and there we do a five-day workshop. And then we go to Santa Paula, California, which I had never heard of before. Uh, it's in Ventura County, and we're going to do a three-day workshop there, and then wow. we come back home. Is this all driving? It's all driving. Wow. We drive. And we're, we're road wow. warriors. I mean, yeah. we really love getting out on the road. You take your little puppy? We Unfortunately, we can't take yeah, Rosetti that with us. It's, it's too hard. Yeah. It would be hard on him. It's yeah. hard to figure out. Uh, up ahead, whether there's going to be accommodation oh, sure. for him, you know. Yeah. So we we either have a house sitter or we find somebody where he can stay with our yeah. you know, family or something. Yeah. So I love when you talk. We'll get into your online stuff now if, if you're mm -hmm. okay with that. But sure. I love how you say we because you've got a daughter that's very well. I have we have a team actually. Yes. So Amy and I together we're a team. And every time we do anything, either she's posing in a painting yeah. or she's filming me. Wow. or supporting me in some way or another, or she might be painting alongside of me and yeah. doing her own painting. Yeah. And then when we go on the road, she's a wonderful assistant and liaison in the live workshops because uh, she can bridge the gap between me and them very easily, you know, mm -hmm. because she understands both sides of that equation. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when we're online, um, my daughter Camille, our daughter Camille, who was the one that Amy was pregnant with when this yeah. whole journey started. Um, she is the one who has helped design the whole system yeah, and the format. It's beautiful. She's the one that understands the uh, marketing and the social media and helped us grow the social media reach that we now have, which is 60,000. Kids are so great, aren't they? I know, they are. <laughs> And I couldn't have done this podcast without my oldest daughter, Rebecca. Right. I mean, you know, this just is right in their wheelhouse. Uh, for us who have come along a little later to the party, mm -hmm. it's, for me, I love technology. And yeah. I've always been fascinated with it. And at one point in my life, I was at a crossroads. Uh, I was going to go back to school in computer science uh, or become an artist. Yeah. And that was my crossroads. And I did choose the art path and I'm glad I did but I've always had a love for yeah. the computer technology um, mm -hmm. and then we have another uh, wonderful dear friend who we've known a long time and who is uh, highly schooled in customer relations her name is Morgan and mm -hmm. she lives in the Northwest she lives in Washington State but she helps uh, she's part of the team and anytime any of our students have issues with anything, oh, she's the one that helps wonderful. them. So we're a great team. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do all this stuff on this end, and they do all that stuff on that end. Yeah, it's end. really, really great. You have their little bios on your website. It's very cute. I yeah. love great, great kids to have on your team, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really nice. So let's talk about um, your online school and... I guess first, what makes the Perrin method unique? What's the unique point? 
Well, uh, a lot of it is what I was telling you before mm -hmm. about the whole idea of yeah, teaching kind different. of behind the scenes okay. of what's going on in the head of the artist. Yeah. Not just the paints and how do you mix this color and yeah. how do you put the paint on and what kind of brushes do you use? So someone what? taking your course, would they maybe need to be very familiar with that already? No. No. I usually expect people to come in not knowing anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you're talking about techniques yes. and materials? Yes, yes. Oh. Um, well, I, I'd say it would give them a leg up, but it's not a requirement. Okay. okay. So um, it's really nice if people come in and they already have an understanding of how to handle materials. Right. And uh, basic drawing skills and stuff like that. That's, But I don't require that. Okay. I consider myself kind of a resource for that sort of thing. So I will, uh, whenever I do a demonstration, I will talk them through the whole process from start to finish. I do a lot of demonstrations in the courses. And um, I talk them through not just the materials and techniques, but I talk them through all the other stuff that we talked about earlier mm -hmm. about the imagination. And I even produce meditations for the mm -hmm. courses. So uh -huh. every course has a specific guided meditation that I create in, mm -hmm. in conjunction with my son, who also, I guess, would consi be considered part of the team. Yeah. He creates the music for our promotional videos wow. and for the meditations. I love that. Um, That's and, great. And he's a hip-hop DJ and producer. Love it. So he already is really familiar with how to make you know, yeah. sounds. And so, and he understands meditation because he himself is a meditator. So he knows what is needed to get into the right frame of mind for that. So we go back and forth creating the music and then I dub it and do okay. the, the, the soundtrack for it. Okay. And then it becomes part of the course. Wow. So I encourage people to gain, uh, to, to cultivate a meditation. So that's very unique. Practice, <laughs> that's right, I think so. Yeah. And because I'm, I'm in favor of painting with a quiet mind. Mm -hmm. So um, when, when most people paint, they have a hundred voices in their head mm -hmm. that usually are critical and, and they, uh, they confuse themselves about you know, everything. And, and so the process typically is not much fun for them. Yeah. And so they struggle their way to, I mean, that's the people that come to me. I'm, I'm kind of like a doctor. If you're a doctor, <laughs> most of the people that come to you are going to be sick, right? And yeah. so they're coming to you because you, they want you to fix them. Yeah. So uh, the people that have come to me are the ones that, you know, feel like they need, if not fixing, they need at least some sort of coaching and I like to think of myself as a kind of a life coach for mm -hmm. art, mm -hmm. uh, coaching to get them to the level that they want to be at. Right. And I also offer personal mentoring too, yeah. so people can sign up for to help them mentoring. get out of their own way. That's fine. <laughs> and that's part of the meditative <clears throat> process. Yeah. Because the in the interior voice, which can be so critical, can often be one that's detrimental. So your best students that come to you would be those who know they they need some help and they're very open to making some changes to allow themselves to free up their blocking what they're blocking in their art. Yeah, mm. uh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean that's almost ninety nine percent of everybody that, that comes. comes. And wow. I mean I, I have to say we've had 
uh, so now we're two and a half years into this. Um, we've had well over, I'd say about 1500 or more courses sold. Now, some of those, a lot of those are repeats to the same people. Sure. So that's why our student population is in the 800 range. Yeah. But, um, in that time, we have had probably four people who have been in any way dissatisfied with what we do. Oh, wow. And every other feedback thing that we get from people is like, you know, you've really helped me. This has yeah. been amazing. Nice. I really love what you're doing. Uh, I'll sign up for another course. And of course, we get many, many repeats. Repeats, sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's. The true test. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> um, so I guess most of these questions you've already answered, which was great. What is your greatest challenge, though, in, in teaching? What would be the greatest challenge? So the number one issue with virtually everybody that comes to me and everybody who aspires to be a teacher is they always want to fix things. They want to fix their panties. They want mm. to fix what they're doing and they are obsessed with the product ah. they want to create paintings that they can be proud of and that other people will look at and pat them on the back and say good job these yeah. are beautiful blah 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 that's yeah. what they want right what they don't understand though is that in order for that to happen they have to completely release the expectation expectation yeah. about the product wow. and fall in love with the process of painting yeah and so when you fall in love with the process of painting, all that other stuff takes care of itself. Okay. And what I advocate people do is work on themselves, not on their paintings. Yeah. Um, invariably, people will want to show me a painting and say, what can I do to fix it? <laughs> and I will say, what do you like about your painting? Yeah. Because I want people to focus on what they want, not what they don't want. Because whatever you focus on, you get it. So the more you focus on what you don't want, guess what? The more you get what you don't want. Mm -hmm. It just keeps coming around and you feel like you're caught in some sort of bizarre loop. Mm -hmm. And if you start to focus on what you like and what you want, you get more of that and more and more of it starts to show up in your work mm -hmm. and it crowds out the stuff that you don't want. You don't, it, in fact, it just happens as a natural process. Wow. So that's the way I teach. And for many people, they come to that in the beginning, they're uncomfortable with it because yeah. they're not used to yeah, that. Right. Most te pe teachers are into correcting. Yeah, this and this Even and this. in my music studies, that's what oh, my teacher yeah? does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tempo is not right. <laughs> You're just making stuff up or whatever, you know. And so uh, I come away from my lessons just almost despondent. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think, okay, I, I sort of have to pick myself up and dust myself off and mm -hmm. move forward from there and think, well, they were really trying. They had my best interests at heart, and they are really just trying to lift me up, mm -hmm. and that's their way of doing it. But for my own teaching, I find that when people feel good, and feel good about themselves and feel good about what they're doing, they do their best work. Mm. That's where it comes from. And so uh, that may be a little new agey, but that's the way I am. I'm yeah, well, it's the, the focus. I like that. Can you talk about what is a live workshop? Well, a live workshop is where I'm present with the students. 
in the same geographical location. Oh, 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 space. okay. That, that's to distinguish yeah. it from the live stream. Okay, right. So stuff. talk about that. Sorry. So, so in all of our courses, we live stream a lot of the demonstrations. So um, people from around the world can tune in to their computers or devices at a given time. Okay. And I'll be there to demonstrate. Oh. Now, um, when they do that, they are able to ask questions and actually they can direct the arc of the demonstration. So mm -hmm. they'll say, hey, I'd like to see more of the canvas or can we see more of the subject or can you get up close on the palette or can you talk about this or can you talk about that? And I've become very good at talking while I'm painting. Mm, yeah. So I can actually continue to paint and talk on a tangent about all kinds of different things related to what we're doing. And, um, and it's very helpful. And I might even create a different kind of emphasis going forward because of the questions that they ask. Okay, right. So it's highly interactive. Sure. Now, is it it's, video recorded as well so it can be recorded looked at again? Absolutely. Okay. So everything we do in all our courses is recorded. Okay. And people have lifetime access to okay. it. And they can play it over and over again. They can pause it. They can go back and look at it again and so forth. And... Um, and that's, uh, I, I think, a huge benefit to what we do. And I haven't seen another one out there that's quite like that. Mm. Uh, that's, I give my daughter all credit for that because she's the one that understands that technology and has implemented it for us. Mm. And even though there are sometimes some glitchy stuff that happens with the live stream, right. Because it's a little bit of a high wire act. You gotta make sure you've got the right <laughs> internet connection. Oh, boy. People on the other yeah. end have to understand the technology and so forth. It still in the balance works out really well. Good. So well, that's great. All right, a few more questions. What defines success for you as an artist? Do I feel good about what I'm doing? Do I feel good? Do I do I find joy? Do I find find satisfaction in mm. what I'm doing? Uh, to me, that's successful. Mm. Um, anything else that comes with that, and usually other things beneficial do come with that, including financial remuneration, but I primarily target the success of how do I feel about this, and am I doing something I really love and want to do? Uh, that's my idea yeah. of success. Nice. And what does a perfect day look like for you? <laughs> If it's like today and yeah. yesterday and the day before. It's it. a day that, uh, for one, I try uh, first thing in the morning when I first wake up, I want to look around and recognize, you know, how beneficial my surroundings are. Mm. And everything that I'm in has a positive element to it. Yeah. And so that kind of gets me some momentum. And then right away, my wife and I both meditate mm -hmm. right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So that sort of gets the, everything sort of like ground zero. Yeah. Uh, we're at that default position where we can start to build our day on top of that. Nice. And then from there, we just start going through what we already know that we want to do. One is create a great breakfast. We have a wonderful breakfast and yeah. we sit and we read and we relax while we're eating, you know. Mm. And then I typically write in my journal, answer questions from students, and then I go over and nice. practice piano. Yeah. And so I practice for anywhere from 40 to 
minutes to an hour, mm -hmm. and then we take a nice walk, we go have coffee at the coffee house, and then we get to work. Mm -hmm. And the work usually involves either something with the online course, mm -hmm. or painting, or something here at the gallery, or whatever. You know? Yeah. And the day just unfolds nicely because we've structured it with with not not rigidly structured, right? But we do have grooves that we operate in, mm. and they're comfortable. Yeah. Can I just put a, a tiny plug in for Amy's website? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So your wife's done this great little job of many years of research mm -hmm. with health and a struggle with diabetes. So Amy's a type one diabetic. She yeah. she was diagnosed when she was sixteen years old. Yeah. She's now sixty four. Mm. So that's forty eight years. Um, and she's highly successful yeah. in managing her blood sugar and her overall health. And she is active on Instagram and Facebook and member of a lot of different groups right. and uh, sets a great example she for does. other people. Yeah. And, she, and you guys just are so in shape. So now I know why I found, I stumbled upon her. I was like, oh, yeah, now I see. <laughs> right, right. She kind of leads yeah, the way on that that's front. Great. Absolutely. And she's got a website, I mean. Well, her website is called the Happy Healing Life. Oh, the Happy Healing Okay, so yeah, that that's she's doing great with that. A um, few more questions. So you kind of hit on this when um, artists are very self-critical, sometimes very very hypersensitive and hard to get out of our own heads and take um, criticisms from family and friends, negative voice, blah blah, maybe over the top. So you definitely have handled this, but how would you help other people to, to get out of their own way there? I have several different tools that I have used successfully for myself, and I encourage people to use. One is the meditative process. Yeah. I really think that meditation gives you like a floor or a foundation okay. from which to build. And I've heard it said a lot that um, naturally naturally we rise to a positive like a pure positive state yeah but generally speaking uh we get in the way of that so if we can just get things out of the way we'll naturally rise and that's what meditation does mm, it yeah. quiets the mind yeah. to a point where you can naturally find that connection with your higher self or yeah. your inner being or source or whatever you want to call it Everybody has a different name for it. It's just that feeling of well-being mm. that dominates unless you interject something to block it. So that's number one to me. That's the first place to start. And I think that whether you're an artist or whatever you are, that's an awesome uh, practice. Yeah. Uh, secondly, when painting, I want to encourage people to be experimental and to invest their energy in the process, not mm. the product. Mm. I've done that in so many different ways over the years. Uh, in, in initially, I used to, when the students were in my classes, and these were not virtual classes, they okay. were live classes. Right. After their session was over and they had completed their painting, I would say, okay, now scrape your paint. Scrape oh. it and wipe it off. Oh. And it, of course, they resisted that. Wow. Because, <laughs> excuse me, a little water here. Yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> because what they do, everybody does this, they identify themselves with the product. Sure. Right? So if the product is 
uh, successful in their mind than they were successful. Yeah. But if the product somehow falls short of some standard that they have, then they feel bad about it. Right. And nothing good ever comes from that. Mm. So I always encourage them to, to take this attitude that this is just paint on canvas. Yeah. It's no big deal. Nothing going on serious here. <laughs> this is not a referendum <laughs> on who you are. Right. And right. so let's scrape it off. And then tomorrow. You're... So it's like that Zen process mm. where they build those beautiful mandalas out of sand. Yeah. And then at the end of the laborious weekend, they shake <laughs> them all up and destroy them. Yeah. It's the same idea. Okay. Um, yeah. And so that's another thing is like, get your mind off of the product and get it on the process wow. and start to find ways to enjoy the process and realize that the process of painting, of the feel of the paint, of the application of the paint, of the uh, movement of the paint and how you can change the color and how you can change the temperature and how you can uh, create transitions and all the different things that go on. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things yeah. that happen during the course of the painting to learn to relish all of that. Okay. And not be so focused on the outcome that you forget to enjoy yourself. I like that. Yeah. So to me, that's that's powerful. However, they can get there. That's yeah. that's what you do. I love that. All right. So I guess that would be your words of advice to artists on their journey. <laughs> yeah, that's well pretty said. much it. Well, great. Anything else you'd like to share with us that stands out? Um, the one thing that came to mind as we were just now talking was uh, I encourage people to work on themselves. Mm. And that includes the meditation. That includes finding ways to feel good, finding positive aspects about everything they do, whether it's in the painting process or outside the painting process. And what you're doing is creating a fountain from which paintings will continually mm. emerge and, and flow forth. Mm. And you just become this sort of endless source of imagery and paintings and whatever. And, and they reflect who you are at your core, not just, you know, some idea of what a gallery wants or what some yeah. somebody else outside of you. And that's the key to it is it's inside you. Everything is available to you inside you. Yeah. You never have to look outside of you for anything. Um, especially if you can find that, that quiet mind. Right. And then from that, everything else will emerge. So that's, you know, mm. so that's it. That's the bottom line for that's me. That's nice. Really nice. Okay. Tell us your website and your school. Where can everybody so, find um, you? My, my, my uh, online courses mm -hmm. are at theparentmethod.com. Okay. Which by the way, right now is a slightly in transition because we create a new website and then GoDaddy is bringing all files over, and I know that it was taking a few days. So if somebody were to click this instant, I don't know when this is actually yeah. going to air, but yeah. that instant, the parentmethod.com would not show up. Okay. But I'm sure by the time anybody's hearing this, yeah. it will be. And then my gallery site is dennisbarronfineart.com. Okay. And that's where my paintings are located, the ones that are in my current inventory for sale. And then I have a Pinterest page, Dennis Barron ah, Art, and I'm very, Instagram. very popular on Pinterest. And Instagram, of course, Instagram, Dennis Perrin Fine Art, at Dennis Perrin 
Fine Art on Instagram. I even have Twitter at Dennis Perrin Fine Art and uh, Facebook. Okay. Uh, I have my personal Dennis Perrin page, and then I have my uh, public page, Dennis Perrin Fine Art. And okay. Dennis Perrin Fine Art and the Perrin Method, you might call our brand. So. Right, right. And you're here on Daniel Street. Daniel Street, Portsmouth. 125 Daniel Street in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We have a brick and mortar gallery, as they say, and yeah. um, it's really fun to be here. Yeah. Great. Well, so nice to have you today. Thanks for all your thoughts and for sharing. It's It's been my pleasure. Wonderful. Have a great day. All right. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.